Hey guys, now back on Wednesday, I got the RetroBit Super Retrocade courtesy of Amazon.com. Now the reason I bought the system is for the one thing that everybody raves about it. And that is the fact that you could add more games. Now you might think to yourself that's impossible since it already has over 90 pre-installed games. And that is true. You might think it's impossible, but it's not. And like I said, that was one of the reasons I bought this system because a lot of folks here on YouTube from John Riggs to Mad Little Pixels to Rolex uh, Productions, Wii Dim, RGT85 uh, and many others even came out on the channels with videos acknowledging and showing that you can be able to do that you're able to do this via the SD card slot which is advertised by RetroBits to be a place where you utilize an SD card to save states of the games already pre-installed in case you run out of space eternally on the system. However, there's another thing that they say uh, in the advertisement when it comes to acknowledging using an SD card to save the games uh, uh, save the games on the system, basically save the states and all that, and that is the word, and that is the keywords, transfer games. Now that might mean basically you could transfer the same games or the same save states to another retrocade in case you buy a second one for let's say another room in your house or you have a RetroPie that utilizes an SD card slot you could actually add maybe uh, the game that you save from the RetroCade onto that RetroPie or even on your computer or mainly just save it for backup right but like I said the key two words there at the end were transfer games which I've stated to me in my personal opinion is RetroBit's own coded way of saying you could add more and that's why a lot of people were raving about this system. Not just for the fact that you had over 90 pre-installed games officially licensed by the likes of Capcom, Data East, iRim, and Tecmos, but now you also have the ability to add onto it. And the reason RetroBits, like I said, like I'm pretty sure a lot of people would agree with, didn't come out, you know, right off the bat and state that, is because they knew it might cause them controversy and it might get them in a bit of trouble. So they basically coded it in a way, or worded it in a way, that kind of acknowledged that you could add more. We just didn't know that until people here on YouTube and online came out and stated that you could do that. And the main reason they basically came out and stated you could do that is because what the Retrocade is, is an emulation machine. Yeah, so is the NES Classic, the Sega Genesis Mini, and the you know, SNES Classic, and the TurboGrafx Mini. But neither of them, unless you modify it, hack into it, you know, take it apart kind of deal, none of them allow you to add an SD card slot to the back or any part of it to add more games or save your states. You got to save your states of the games you play on those systems eternally or internally, I should say. But the Retrocade, which just like them is an emulation machine, allows you to do that. And I think that's why, as I said in many videos before, RetroBits knew what they were doing, or RetroBit knew what they were doing when they brought the system out around the same time Arcade Runup was introducing these reproductions of actual arcade cabinets that you could play at home. So, in my opinion, RetroBit knew what they were what they were about to cause, basically about to have unleashed east upon the world when they released the system. They just didn't straight out say it. They basically coded it and worded it in a way to where it made you think, hmm, is it possible? Now, as I've said before, a lot of people are right. An SD card basically is probably the most 
obvious way to go when it comes to taking ROMs you downloaded onto your computer from emulation sites like ROM Hustlers, emulationgames.net, etc. and dumping them onto, um, or basically utilizing the SD card to dump the files onto it and then insert it into the back of the Retrocade to basically play the additional games. But as I discovered or came to the conclusion out of curiosity last night, you can also use a USB flash drive, thumbstick, or USB external hard drive to do the same thing. All you have to do is follow the same methods that you do with the SD card. Create a folder within called Retrobit Games, both separate words, Retrobit one word and games the other, and then do exactly what you would do with an SD card, take the ROMs and dump them onto the uh, USB drive and all you have to do to play them is go to the second port here on the system, put it in there, turn it on and there you go. You're able to basically play, um, the, play the ROMs that you've downloaded you know the same way as if you were using an SD card with via the SD slot on the back of the console. Now one thing that WeDem mentioned in a comment they gave to my video that I uploaded last night talking about this is they asked the question of whether or not a USB hub was capable of doing both. Basically you know reading allowing the RetroCade to read the USB thumb drive or flash drive or external hard drive and reading and acknowledging the second controller if you wanted to do two players. And in case you're wondering what uh, a USB hub is it is basically like a, it's basically this. It's basically a switcher, or it's kind of like a switcher, the only, like with HDMI and audio video, AV if you will. But unlike HDMI and audio video, you don't have to use a little remote to press the button on to switch to the, ne to the next uh, signal of the device you want to utilize uh, from the other, or get up and touch the button to do it. No, instead it reads it all at once. The USB hub reads all the devices at once. So that is a good question to look into and maybe myself or maybe even WeDem or whoever will explore that possibility later on and do a video on it. However, that's not the only thing I want to talk about here. Because you see, I'm sure the one question a lot of people have when it comes to emulation and ROMs, whether you play them on your computer, your RetroPie, or your retrocade the one the one uh, question I'm sure a lot of people have is is it legal is it right you know and basically the big question is why don't these publishers do anything about it well let me answer that for you well now to answer the question as to why companies like Capcom and Data East and Tecmos and Irem and many others don't do anything about these emulation sites that have these ROMs of the various consoles and arcade machines available for download to play on your computer or on your RetroPie or in this case, you know, your RetroCade is mainly because a lot of these companies focus is on the here and the now. Now I'm not saying they don't care about what they've done in the past. I mean when a company like Arcade One Up or RetroBit comes to them and explains what they plan to do and it involves basically these classic games, then yeah, they're going to put their attention on those classic games 
and give the okay, give the green light, if you will, to Retrobit and to Arcade of 1UP to utilize these games to put onto the systems. Like with Arcade 1UP, the reproduction of the arcade cabinets to play at home and Retrobit for a system like the Retrocade. But again, the question is why don't they do anything about the emulation sites that have these ROMs? And like I said, the main focus is on the here and the now. And there's so many games that were published and developed and released in arcades, on consoles and all that, that it would take a huge amount of time and effort from a lot of these companies, from Capcom to Nintendo to Sega and whatnot, to basically corral all the ROMs that have been dumped online that people download to play on the computer, play on the Android, the RetroCade, RetroPie, whatever. It would take them so much time um, to corral all of that to prevent it from happening, it would take them away from what they're trying to currently work on right now, and they don't want to do that. Their main focus is the here and the now. Now, are they aware of these emulation sites? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you have uh, a variety, you basically have a variety of sites out there that, you know, PC-related sites, if not official PC-related sites, that rank some of the best emulation uh, websites to go to to play classic games on the computer, online, or even download. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're aware of it, especially when you have various uh, well-renowned, if not semi-well-renowned, uh, websites or magazine websites, you know, ranking some of the best emulation sites out there. But again, in my opinion, the reason these companies don't do anything is because they're more focused on the here and the now. Now, you know, when I would watch, you know, Shane of Rerez talk about, you know, ROMs being utilized on a console, being pre-installed into a console without the consent of the company, I'm sure Shane is very much aware, like I am, that the company is more focused on the here and the now, which is why they don't really do anything. You know, when he would review uh, one, if not both, Pandora uh, joystick consoles, plug-and-play consoles, you know, he would basically state that the games on there are playable. Some of them, if not most are at times, depending on how, you, you know, how they respond as a controller. But he would also state that some of these games seem to be you know, illegally on there, or not, or basically, the, basically he would acknowledge that they are on there, but not by permission. In other words, they wouldn't, in other words, the people that developed the Pandora systems did not get the consent of the various um, publishers and developers of all those games pre-installed onto that system. And he even said the same thing when it came to things like uh, the both Cool Baby systems, the steering wheel plug-and-play system, you know, stuff like that. Basically, in his opinion, that in his opinion, if you're going to utilize these games, if you're going to pre-install these games into these plug-and-plays, you should get consent. You should get permission. You shouldn't have to resort to putting a different web, putting a website's address in front of a lot of games, indicating that you've modified it so it doesn't. So you don't get in any legal trouble or anything like that. So for someone like Shane and others in and others that agree with him, you know, if you're gonna play games via emulation ROMs, you should be playing them on an emulation system that's got consent, that's got permission. 
or if you're going to play the games by themselves, so you'll focus only on a few games individually, you should basically, basically be able to go out and purchase those games in some capacity via Steam or whatever. So I can understand, you know, where someone like Shane would come from and why when he did a review on the Retrocade a few years back, which was the version 1.0, he didn't acknowledge the whole SD card being able to well, the whole SD card situation where you'd be able to use the SD card not just to save states in games as well as expand the storage but also to be able to add more games it's mainly because he has a preference of hey you're gonna play these games you might as well find a way to financially support them now I'm sure Shane and others that agree with him in this capacity do kind of agree and do kind of acknowledge that it's not the people that download the ROMs and play them on the retro pies or the retro case of the computers it's not their fault he doesn't probably even blame you know the people that dump the ROMs on these emulator sites or even the people that pre-install these you know without permission on you know plug-and-play consoles or joystick plug-and-play consoles like the Pandora series in fact I think who I think the one I think the one individual or the individuals that Shane and others that are, you know, think, you know, kind of like him in this category, the people that they actually do blame is the developers and the publishers. Basically, they blame them for not taking, you know, you know, taking charge of the situation, basically preventing this from happening because, you know, they're not focused on it. They're not noticing it because, as I said, the focus is on the here and the now. So I don't think Shane, as I mentioned, blames the people that download the ROMs to play them. He doesn't blame the people that upload the ROMs onto the sites for people to download. Nor does he blame those that take these ROMs, modify them, hack them, whatever, and pre-install them onto systems without consent. He blames the publishers. He blames the developers for not taking action and preventing this from happening. But again, like I said, and I know I'm repeating myself here, the main focus for a lot of these developers is the here and the now. So to me, you know, the reason they don't, the reason a lot of these publishers don't do anything, despite how controversial this is, or how not right this could be, or illegal this could be in people's eyes, is because basically, you know, they're more focused on the here and the now. And by focusing more on the here and the now, in occasions, kind of tilting their head towards the past in case, you know, a company comes and approaches them with an idea they have for a future cabinet or console, you know, by focusing more on the here and the now, they're basically just giving away, in, their, in my opinion, they're just saying, they're just giving away and saying, go, have fun with our ROMs. You know, we don't care because we're more focused on what we're doing now instead of what we did then. And that's why a lot of these consoles, a lot of these ROMs, I should say, are being downloaded or at these emulation sites and why a lot of these emulation sites have popped out throughout the years in the, dec in the past decade because a lot of these companies, publishers, don't give a darn or don't give a crap about what they did in the past. They're just focused on the here and the now. And as I said, the only time they ever focus on the past is when some kind of company like Arcade One Up or Retrobits approaches them with an idea for a future cabinet or console. But with that said, what's so interesting about ROMs? What is so interesting about, you know, emulation ROMs that makes people want to download them? Well, I'll tell you. So what makes emulation ROMs so intriguing and interesting and very 
appealing to a lot of people, even those that may not be totally a fan of them. Well, I think it's because of the fact that the ROMs come in a variety of ways. Uh, one thing that I think I alluded to uh, just previously was about how Shane, when he would talk about the Pandora um, joystick consoles, plug-and-play consoles, or things like the Cool Baby systems, uh, he noted that sometimes some of the games, mostly like, let's say, on the Cool Baby 2, the, which was basically the Cool Baby Super Famicom clone, which was anything but a actual clone of the Famicom. Uh, basically, he noted that out of all the games installed there, there was a lot of modifications, basically of very well-known games. Like, he pointed out some modifications to uh, Adventure Time with Mario in his place, Mario in the place of Busta Bunny or any of the characters in Tiny Toons. Uh, he mentioned how you know Mario Brothers was basically hacked into a, hacked into basically a WTF what kind of game. You know, alien-like game or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah. You know, Shane has given his own opinion on that. And, again, that's what's interesting about ROMs emulation-wise. Is you never know what you're going to get alongside the actual game. Uh, for example, basically, um, one of the games that I recently obtained over the past few years on actual NES cartridge was Kung Fu. Now, Kung Fu was one of the first black box games that came out when the NES debuted and I recently obtained it uh, through the emulation ROMs once again and what's interesting is you get not one not two but a variety of different uh, versions of Kung Fu you probably get some um, upscaled harder versions you know like you know because one of the things people like to do is modify the game to be you know they keep it the same but they increase the difficulty they make it more Harder, they put it like at things like extreme level or you know, hardcore level stuff like that. But the game will be kept the same, except the only modification is the play is a lot harder and tougher to go through. Um, the other thing about my about these uh ROMs, the one thing that's very unique about them, like I said, is you get different kinds of versions of the games. And like I said, going back to what I talked about with Shane when he would talk about the Super Famicom Cool Baby 2 is he noted that there was a lot of modifications to games where characters were added in there where they were not originally meant to be. Um, but getting back on topic here, getting back on topic, basically the one thing with Kung Fu is it's one of those NES games that could be modified and hacked on several different occasions. Uh, for example, not only do you get Kung Fu and maybe some harder versions of Kung Fu, but you also get versions called Blind Fu. You get, yeah, basically, they have the Thomas character, I guess, blindfolded or acting like a blind man or something. I don't know. I haven't played that one yet. Uh, but they have a version where Thomas is remodified and redesigned somewhat as He-Man. It's basically the Thomas character, but instead they put him in the He-Man outfit. And all the characters he's going up against are Skeletor's minions. And I guess the goal is to save Tila from Skeletor or something. I don't know. Um, but there's other, but there's another version of Kung Fu that, um, I, I, I can't even, I can't even fathom somebody did this. Um, but I thought basically, you know, the way, the way they modified it is they have, they would have a certain special, uh, extra ability for Thomas to utilize on, uh, the enemies. Um, but no, that wasn't the case. 
basically I'll put it this way the one of the hacks and modifications of Kung Fu that they did that you get with this zip file of Kung Fu because you get a variety of different versions of Kung Fu like I said you get the more extreme harder versions of Kung Fu which are the only things that are modified about the game but then you get all these other different hacked versions uh, including He-Man the, the one thing about this version of Kung Fu is they basically modified, they basically took a version of Kung Fu, hacked and modified it into basically an Atari porn game. An Atari porn game with a Kung Fu theme. I, I'm, not, I'm not joking about that. I'm not joking about that. Because basically all the characters, and I'm assuming the Sylvia character, are all naked. They are all freaking naked. You know, even the enemies. All naked. Everything is out. Kind of like with the um, that one Mario game hack. Uh, the I think it was the Cool Baby or something. The Super Famicom Cool Baby that Shane talked about. Yeah, it's kind of like that. And <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. It shows you how easy, you know, classic NES games and maybe even SNES games and Genesis games of that era are to modify and hack. You know, they're able to do something like that. Um, you know, but, you know, that's not the only interesting thing about, you know, the ROMs and all that. You know, the hacks and everything. I mean, Paperboy, <laughs> get a load of this. Paperboy has the original Paperboy, the NES version. When you get the NES version of Paperboy, it has the original Paperboy game. It has, I think, uh, Spike difficulty versions of it. But then it also has hacks called Knife Boy and Paper Girl. And I'm like, okay, Paper Girl I can understand because I, cause I think they tried that one time. I think they had uh, a sequel of Paper Boy where you played as a girl as well. well they did, Paper Boy too, and I think you played as a female uh, Paper Deliverer, uh, paper, paper Girl. Uh, but basically, um, when you look at when you look at one of the modifications, it's called Knife Boy. So, my thought process is basically instead of throwing papers, you're throwing knives. Okay, <laughs> you know, you know, and again, that's a part of the interesting. That's a part of the unique and interesting thing about ROMs that gets people's attentions, because you never know whether or not you're just going to get the regular version and maybe some international versions along with it, or you're going to get some hacked versions. They make you kind of tilt your head and go like, you know, what the blank am I seeing? Or what the blank am I playing? You know? But what's also interesting about ROMs sometimes, and, you know, whether people like the idea or they don't, is you can play games that weren't, you know, originally released in your region. And games you didn't even know about either. Uh, for example, we know that Sailor Moon is a very popular anime franchise, anime Magical Gold franchise. Probably the standard bearer, if you will, uh, of the 80s into the 90s even now. But here's what's interesting. Nobody, and I'm sure nobody, until these ROMs came out or until the internet started to really become what it is, nobody knew about the fact that there was an actual NES. There were actual, not one, not two, but several Sailor Moon games released during the Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis uh, error in the 1990s, early 1990s, even one in the arcade. One in the one of them in the arcade. I don't know if this. Yeah, I think this was an arcade. It is basically a board game. It is a quiz board game with the Sailor Moon characters. 
Um, you have two of them, which are beat-em-ups. I think one is called Sailor Moon S and Sailor Moon R. And then the other Sailor Moon one, which I can't think of the name of right now, um, is a fighting game. It's a tournament fighter. So you get to choose like from Sailor Uranus, and you can pick her opponent. And that's, that's kind of cool. You can pick who you play as, or you fight as, and you can pick the opponent. So let's say you want to play as Sailor Uranus, you can pick Sailor Mars for her to go up against, and there you go. So, yeah, I didn't even know there were Sailor Moon games. Nor did I know there were Mobile Suit Gundam games, and I'm kind of a fan of Mobile Suit Gundam, um, if you will. I am basically kind of a fan of Mobile Suit Gundam. I, I mean, I like the premise of it and everything. Uh, so to find out that there's not one but two different fighting games, tournament fighting games of Mobile Suit Gundam is kind of amazing. Because you get one from an arcade perspective, I think it's called EX Rev, or Revo Review, EX Review, or something like that. It's E-V-U-E, Revive, or Review. And the other is just called Mobile Suit Gundam Z. And they're both tournament fighters. And one of them, I think, is for the Famicom Super Nintendo. But we never got those here. As far as I know, we never got them here in the state, arcade-wise or Super Nintendo-wise. So that's kind of cool. Um, the fact is, you know, we also have other games we never got as well. So, you know, like, I think... Let me see. Uh, like, I think... What else is there? What else can I think of? Oh, yeah, you know... We know about, well, thanks to James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, we know about Ninja Baseball Batman, but we never got the Japanese version of Ninja Baseball Batman, but that's what these ROMs do. But you can get that here, I should say. And speaking of Ninja Baseball Batman, here's another unique perspective about ROMs that really would get people's attention, especially when they try to play them on whatever device they use. And that is sometimes you need not one, not two, but three different folders, maybe multiple different folders, to play the game. And I'll give you an example. I have three different folders of Ninja Baseball Batman. One that says Ninja ba at uh, Base Batman. One that says the same thing, but has, I think, a U or an A at the end of Batman. Basically, it's Ninja Base Batman A, or Batman U. And then the other one is the Japanese uh, word for it called League. I can't pronounce the other word that goes before it. And you need basically those other two to play Ninja Baseball Batman, the Japanese version. Now, I tried to compress the files all into one folder, one zip file folder, didn't work. And the same with WWF WrestleFest. You need to have, from what I can tell, WW, you need to have the files... WWF WFest, you need WWF WFest U, and then you need WWF WFest A, and then when you click on the A, the WWF WFest A folder, then you can play it as long as you have the other two. The same with the real Ghostbusters arcade. You gotta have Ghost B file, the Ghost B zip file, to go with the Ghostbusters, the Ghost B. Uh, three file, and then you can play the real Ghostbusters arcade game. I know it's kind of strange, ancient everything, but that's how you can play these games. And that's another unique factor, is discovering different ways of playing the game. Sometimes you don't have to worry about that. Sometimes you just 
download the file you know sometimes you have to rename the file itself to be make it playable but most of the time I'm I'm you don't you don't need to go to uh, you don't need to go any further or you need to download anything any further I should say to play the game but in the case of some but in the case of some of these games that I just mentioned you have to now like I said earlier some of the other things uh, about the games is the modifications in the hacks one of the most popular ones that I was looking forward to uh, testing out and seeing if it worked was the Sally Acorn and Bunny Rabbit modification and hacks on both Sonic 1 and 2 for Sally and Bunny on Sonic 1 and yes they are playable which is pretty cool um, overall overall though everything that I just mentioned is it's just it's just amazing it's just amazing how unique how unique and you know how unique some of these ROMs are presented how unique and clever and kind of just I guess multitask as uh, multitask way in a multitask way I should say that these ROM, that these ROMs are you know usable because sometimes like I said you think you only need one but then you find out you need multiple ROMs to play the game uh, but yeah it's really interesting and it's really fun now will it read now here's the question will all the ROMs be read will all the ROMs be read Now, the other question I'm sure a lot of people have is, will all the ROMs play that you download? Unfortunately, no. Even if the ROM is by, even if the ROM of a game, I should say, is by a publisher that's officially licensed some of their games onto something like this, like let's say Capcom, not all the ROMs will play, unfortunately. Sometimes the ROMs will be broken, sometimes you'll just have to keep searching, or you just can't basically... Uh, basically what I'm saying is sometimes you have to keep searching or you just give up trying to find the right file to play the game or download the game from to play uh, but yeah not all the games will uh, play not all the ROM files that you download will play unfortunately uh, what's even more interesting is some of the ROM files you do uh, try to play on the on a retrocade or retropile whatever device you use Sometimes they will be read, but they won't show anything. Uh, a good example is I recently downloaded, uh, one of the ROMs I downloaded was a Star Wars arcade. And the only thing uh, that it showcases is a little thing, it's like it reads the disc, it reads it, it acknowledges the file, you know, acknowledges that it is playable, I guess, but all you see is like a little dot on the top, just little, like little uh, picture, a little something on on the upper left hand corner of the screen and that's about it and you can't play it another one that does get registered as possibly being playable is the Godzilla arcade out of Japan the, Jap the Japanese exclusive arcade of Godzilla which I think James played James Rolfe played um, and he and Andre and Doug he and Andre Meadows and Doug Walker's uh, galloping, Go galloping ghost uh, playthrough a video that they did a couple years back after they did the Out of the Shadows uh, collab review for uh, Nostalgia Critic. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting back on point, getting back to what I was saying, uh, the God, it, it basically feels like it re, it basically feels like it acknowledges the Godzilla game and everything, like it is playable, but all you see is like these little flashes here and there. It's like it wants to, it basically wants to acknowledge, it wants to 
start up the game, but there's just like something missing, like a certain part of something is missing from being able to play the game. I don't know if that means downloading another file from another site to probably try and play it, but that's a wait and see kind of thing. Um, yeah, in other games that do get registered that seem to be playable are games that obviously you need special uh, functions for, like Cruising USA or Cruising World, uh, that series of racing games. Basically, with Cruising World, and I even think with Cruising USA, it acknowledges them, you know, basically says they are playable, but because of the kind of games that were set up the way they were in the arcade with a, you know, with a steering wheel and, you know, with gas pedals and brake pedals and all that, and, you know, you know, drive, you know, and as, uh, you know, stick shifts and all that, or automatic stick shifts or whatever, um, you can't play it. You, I don't know if anybody else has figured out a way to do it with the retrocade or whatever, but you can't play it. So, unfortunately, even though it reads it as if it says, yeah, you can play it, you can't. So, yeah, not all ROMs are playable. That's that's the unfortunate thing. Um, and sometimes if a ROM is playable, sometimes you might get a bit of a lag at first, but it will work. So, yeah, again, not all ROMs are playable, unfortunately. Uh, I wish they were. But and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but they're not. They're not all playable, and I think that's something that you know down the line, if RetroBits decides to do another reversion of the RetroCade or bring out a newer version of it down the line, like a more improved version, which has not one, not two, but four USB ports on the front, um, and you're still able to probably you know add more games. Hopefully they address that issue and you could play something like Cruising USA without the reliability of a steering wheel or something like that. And they kind of make sure it's modified in a way that's more playable. But yeah, it's games like that that you can't really play A and everything. So mo most of the other games though, like I said, surprisingly the ones that were developed by those that officially licensed games for the Retrocade, if you will... Um, so most of those games are playable. They take a bit to decrypt, as they say, but they are playable, which is a big surprise. You know, X-Men vs. Street Fighter plays, Marvel vs. Capcom plays, Marvel Superheroes vs. Street Fighter plays, Metamorphic Force, it plays. So a lot of these games do play, especially with the, by the publishers and developers that officially license some of the games for the Retrocade in places like the Arcade 1-Up. But... In the end, in the end, is basically still, but in the end still, the question is basically asked at times, is this still, is, this, is basically these emulation and ROM situation, these emulation sites with these downloadable ROMs, is it, is it still controversial or is this just something that now exists? Is and the company's publishers just don't care. Well, to answer the question of whether or not even now um, having emulation sites like ROMHustlers.org and EmulationGames.net and others like them, you know, if it's still controversial to have them around or it's still kind of wrong to have them around, uh, that's up for debate, but basically. As I said earlier, if there's anything wrong with these thing, these sites, 
uh, if there's anything wrong about them. Uh, a lot of the developers from Capcom to Nintendo to Sega to whoever would be coming down upon these uh, sites uh, with a vengeance. And they would not only be coming down, with, uh, down upon them with a vengeance, but they would be preventing them from ever existing again. You know, ever allowing stuff from, you know, ever existing again in any kind of form. They would come down upon them to the point that basically, you know, you might as well enjoy the ROMs you have because if you try to go back to these sites and download them again, uh, just like I mentioned earlier with the uh, NES Popeye uh, link on the uh, on the uh, ROMHustlers.org where it said it was EA, EA, ESA protected, basically that's what you're going to expect in the future, or that's what you would have expected uh, in the fu in the future, or at any time, I should say, had these companies came down upon these uh, sites, because every link to every downloadable link to a ROM would be gone; they would be removed. So, the way so the way I look at it, because of the fact that none of these companies have taken the time and the effort, because as I mentioned earlier, they're more focused on the here and the now to really come down upon these sites for what they did. And for the fact that obviously they they know about their existence because you know you have various online magazine sites or gaming magazine sites ranking some of the best emulation sites out there. Um, the reason again, I don't think that the I, I don't think it's important to them these emulation sites with these downloadable ROMs of games and stuff they've done in the past is important to them is because of the focus on the here and the now. And like I said. I mean, and like I, like I was trying to say, they're obviously aware of them. Um, but I think also the other reason why they don't really come down upon them is they realize that even though maybe it's not right for these sites to be around, it is giving attention to some of their, uh, pro to their product. It's giving attention to some of their uh, games that they, to their product and the games that they published over the years and over the decades. And it's introducing a new generation to these games, as well as reintroducing, uh, reintroducing older game, older fans that grew up with them, to newer games they they may have not known about, as well as you know, kind of reliving, you know, kind of bringing back memories of playing classic games that they did uh, in the past. So, yeah, I'm yeah. Again, if they wanted to, they would have came down upon them to the point that these sites they may be around, but you wouldn't have no downloadable links for the game. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's not the case, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that's not the case right now, and there's just a ton of games down, you know, that are, you know, uh, available for download, and I think that's, again, like I mentioned earlier, that's another reason why they don't come down upon these sites. I think it's an interesting because they want to focus more on the here and the now, but also the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, they realize it would be taking a lot of the time and effort from focusing on the here and the now if they try to, you know, come down upon these sites. And, again, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I believe they're aware of it. You know, I think they're, like I said, I believe they're aware of it. And the, and the reason I believe, honestly, now that I think about it, is because they feel it brings more publicity to, you know, the you know the consoles of the past as well as... The games that they published for those consoles that were well renowned and well received, and people would recommend others playing. But the question, but the other question still remains, 
is it controversial for these kind of sites to be around? Um, in your, in some opinion, in some people's opinion, yes, because basically you're just instead of you know financially you know giving your money or something to help support these games, you're just getting them for free. So some of them look at it from a controversial standpoint. From that, or look at it from a look at it from a controversial standpoint when it comes to that. But um, again, it's all a matter of opinion. You know, you could think it's controversial, it might be, but again, if these things were so wrong, if these emulation sites were so wrong, and the downloading of these ROMs was so long, or so wrong, I should say, if the downloading of these ROMs was so wrong from these sites, they would have took care of it a long time ago. I mean, Sonic Retro is a, a site that plays host to a lot of downloadable, modified um, hacks and everything of Sonic games, like I mentioned earlier, like with Sally being in Sonic 1 and 2 instead of Sonic and Bunny being in Sonic 1, you know, if they wanted to, they could have came down upon Sonic Retro and made sure those links became dead and gone, you know, became dead and gone, but they didn't because it's bringing more attention to the product, even if it's being modified and having Sonic replaced with another character. So overall, Again, is it controversial? Like I said, it's a matter of opinion. But, you know, I, again, I don't think, you know, companies like Capcom all the way up to Nintendo and Sega and all them, I don't think they really mind at all. Because even though they may consider it wrong, wrong and everything, they're more focused, and I know I'm repeating myself saying it, but they're more focused on the here and the now and not so much on the past unless somebody approaches them and says, hey, we got this great idea for a retro console cabinet then they'll start focusing on their past um, on their past to probably contribute to that project but I think also as I mentioned earlier it introduces a new generation to these classic games especially some games based on franchises that allow them to see where the root of that franchise game wise came from it allows them to play it like that and um, in a and again, it also reintroduces older players to games they used to play uh, in the past, bring back those memories, as well as introduce them to games they've never played before because they were never released in the region. Like, like I mentioned with uh, Sailor Moon, you know, I didn't even know there were Sailor Moon games out around the time of the Super Nintendo's release, especially when you have two of them being beat 'em up games, one of them being a tournament fighter. And then one being a arcade game, which is basically a board game, quiz game, if you will, featuring Sailor Moon characters. And the same with Mobile Suit Gundam. So, so yeah, it's a, so I, again, I'm sure they're aware of it. And I think the reason they're not going after them is because it brings, it helps bring that attention, even though they probably know, yeah, this, this isn't right for these people to do. But you know what? As long as it brings attention to our, uh, to our system, to what we've done in the past, to the games we brought in the past. Maybe it'll, you know, inspire the gamers, the fans to want to see continuations or reboots of those games for a new generation and the newer consoles. So, anyway though, yeah, um, it's up to a matter of opinion whether you think it's wrong or it's controversial. So, overall, um, that's just my thoughts over, basically on the emulations, emulation sites and ROMs and, you know, how, in my opinion, I view them and how I think others view them and why some people like Shane at ReRes and others don't really kind of support it that much even though they probably don't put the blame on those that download them or 
you know, pre-install them and all that, but mainly put the blame on the publishers and all that for not being responsible and taking action. Um, you know, again, you know, so, you know, so, you know, just giving my opinions and all that. But overall, I hope you enjoyed this video. I know I stuttered a bit, a little bit. I kind of rambled a bit. So I do apologize uh, for that. I'm going off the, I'm going off script here in this video. I'm going off what comes to my mind. Um, but let me know what you all think down below. Let me know what your thoughts are on emulations and ROMs overall. Do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? Do you think they help bring attention uh, to the company that published them for when it comes to even maybe future releases based on those games? What are your opinions? Let me know down below. And let me know how you um, install the ROMs onto your RetroPie or RetroCade or your computer. Do you utilize an SD card or do you go the route that I've discovered you can go down and that's a USB flash drive or USB external hard drive uh, instead. But again, thank you all for watching. Comment down below. And I am out. Have a good night, guys.